Hey everybody, welcome to Healing Together, a podcast and community that I have created in order to provide comfort, inspiration and healing. My name is Martin, I work as a counsellor and yoga teacher and I'm interested in the power of community and stories. And so me and my amazing friends will share with you some of the ordinary and extraordinary experiences that have shaped our lives, often talking about the struggles and finding a way to shine a light on some of the darker corners of your heart and your soul so that you can find a new kind of strength, practicing openness, kindness, and hopefully being able to be grateful for everything that comes your way. We are stronger together. Let's all find different ways to guide each other home to that place of peace and fulfillment. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody. Just before we go into this particular episode, I've listened to it and... Some of the things that we talk about in this are around speaking your truth and the difficulty in doing so. And I realise that for, goodness, it'll be at least two or three weeks now, I've been talking about me sharing some of my story around, I think I might have called it my dark night of the soul. Um something probably to do with doing the Ironman, something like that. Um, and so I wanted to set that up before we go into this particular uh, this particular show with Johnny because I know I've been resisting sharing it and it's quite, it's really interesting to notice that I am doing that, that I am resistant and I, I think putting it all together and viewing it through the lenses that I have now, like the perspective that I have now, a few years later, makes it kind of even more of a vulnerable share. So I'm going to set it up now, because then that's a commitment to to sharing with you. And I'm not forcing myself. It's it's important that I do. Um, but I, I just wanted to tell you, before I've even recorded the episode or anything like that, uh, the one that's going to come after this one that you're going to listen to, that um, it follows a year. Hmm, no, it's probably, it's two years um, in my life where I, I'd i found yoga, I'd left the bank, I was really enjoying my my new career, you know, doing what I do now, setting that up. And everything was like incredibly fast paced and and I was so enjoying my ability to um choose like from a place of truth in inside of me and it snowballed and I wanted to adopt a child I wanted to do it on my own and so I went through that process and i'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this in the next episode that'll be the first half talking about that journey of applying to be uh, a single adopter. And then how that didn't happen, uh, that will be no surprise because I don't have a child right now. Um, so I'm going to talk about that decision that I had to make to end that. And then that led into 
a whole other period, which was equally uh, enlightening. And uh, it involved me going traveling quite a bit. Here's Alfie. Hello. Hello. Uh, and then thinking that everything was going well, but realizing following an abusive relationship and uh i was just going to excuse and um and diminish the impact that that relationship had on me by saying it was only an abusive uh emotionally abusive relationship but that was enough and i lost myself like never before where i thought i was connected i was actually incredibly disconnected and the result of that was getting involved with this guy um, who was very deeply wounded in so many ways and how I ended up becoming awakened to all kinds of different things about myself and and completing uh, a really unbelievable task of an Ironman distance event which challenged me physically, mentally um, but the biggest challenge was emotional and uh but i came out the other side and i'm here now and i can't wait to tell you the story both with excitement and uh fear but i know what rests on the other side of that fear and we're going to explore that in this show now so i'll leave you with this show and i'll see you on the other side of it with my story enjoy welcome to episode 15 of healing together as i mentioned last week i decided to take a break uh, from the podcast last week, I over the weekend was spending quite a lot of time convincing myself that, oh, I need to do the recording, I need to do the recording, and a couple of guests weren't able to come on. And on Monday, I sat here and I just felt totally uninspired. I wasn't passionate about what I was about to do. And I realized that forcing this just wasn't the right thing. And uh, I do like to practice what I preach most of the time. And so I uh, <laughs> tried to take the pressure off by, uh, by not putting myself under duress to do something that probably would end up sounding shit and you'd be able to tell in my voice. And I thought it was a really good opportunity to say it's OK to step aside from our responsibilities if, if needed. And so there was a double whammy of I didn't need to do it. And I was also able to deliver a positive message to you all. So um, thank you for that. And uh, there were also quite a few messages reaching out, um, asking if I, I am OK. And I really do appreciate that. Um, and obviously I, I, I did say to those people what was going on and it wasn't really that there was anything particularly overwhelming happening. I was just aware that I'd kind of overstretched on giving and I needed to pull that energy back in for me. And um, I've now ended up with a bit of a cold. So um, I guess I probably was run down emotionally, mentally, and that's shown up physically now after a few days. But I do, however, feel highly motivated and passionate about today's recording with our wonderful guest, uh, Johnny Simpson, who, who is here with me uh, on Zoom. So hi, Johnny. Hey, thank you for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. I'm really glad that we managed to get this organised. Me too. Uh, and I feel like it's come at a really good time as well. Definitely. And so in the spirit of our appreciation of the benefits of meditation and uh you know I, I want to come at this conversation in a nice calm and, and grounded uh 
with a nice calm and grounded energy and also for the listener that um, I invite uh, you Johnny and anyone that's listening to just engage in a few breaths and I'm going to introduce a mantra and a mantra is a collection of words usually in Sanskrit that are either spoken silently so the words are thought or we say them out loud. And I'm not gonna go into all of the, the science behind this today, but they can be very healing for a multitude of reasons. And as with any of these things that we're talking about today, actually the beauty is in the practice. And so um, try to remove all judgment around what we're about to do here and just go with it and feel into it and see if it uh, provides any benefit to you. And at the very least, you will have tried something new if you've never done this before. So what have we got to lose, right? Absolutely. And yeah. potentially a lot to gain. Um, exactly. I've rediscovered mantra uh, recently. I kind of left it for a while after my initial yoga teacher training and yeah. I'm, I'm back into it in a, in a huge way. So um, find it, you know, just so in incredibly um, connecting, I suppose is the best way. It really is. Yeah. It, like the, the, the vibrational effect even that you get with the yeah, there's there's so much to it yeah it's yeah incredible see i'm ready whenever you are so we're going to go with the soham meditation uh, which is an ancient vedic uh, sorry mantra which is an ancient vedic mantra and it's particularly good for quieting the mind and relaxing the body and it's very very simple so if you are able to um, focus with your eyes closed then do so so just sitting up nice and tall and you can lie down if if that feels better for you obviously if you are listening to this while operating any machinery then maybe save it for later um <laughs> just don't want yeah. to, to harm yourself it's not really the point and just taking a moment to notice your natural breath moving in and out of its own accord, no need to control the breath, just noticing, softening the forehead, relaxing the cheeks, the jaw, just allow the teeth and the lips to be gently parted. Let the shoulders melt away from the ears, soften around your heart area, Soften the belly, allow the hips to relax into your seat, the legs and the arms nicely relaxed wherever they fall. And for the Soham meditation, we simply focus on thinking the word so, S-O, as we inhale. And silently thinking and speaking the word ham, H-A-M, on the exhale. Inhaling so, exhaling ham. This is a silent mantra, inhaling so, Relaxing, exhaling, hum. Inhaling, so. Exhaling, hum. Just another three breaths on your own. 
Inhaling so, exhaling hum. Last one. And after your exhale, gently blinking the eyes open. Okay. Lovely. Well, I feel my mind is quieter and my body is relaxed, definitely. And there's a great demonstration of how little you actually need for it to be effective in very quick timing as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, what, six, seven breaths yeah. with a focus on some random words. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they're not random, but they might sound random to, to, yeah. to those. And, and the, the entry level to it is, is so accessible. And then you give yourself just a few seconds to test whether it works for you or not. And then from there, you can decide. And the more you do it, I've never heard anyone say the more they meditate that their life doesn't get better for it so yeah but just do it at your own pace one thing i say to a lot of my clients is like what do you spend 24 hours a day doing anyway you're breathing all of the time right so you may as well get something more out of it when you whenever you notice or whenever you're paying attention to it because it's, yeah. it's something you're already doing so why not capitalize on that as much as you can whenever yeah. you can yeah 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 it's yeah. not something additional it's just a, a an awareness of something you're already doing exactly yes yeah actually i often say in yoga you know if you're thinking and and focusing on the thing that i'm asking you to as part of what we're doing at yes. least you're not thinking about all the other shit that makes you feel terrible you know? that's true that's true and it's also a good entry point into meditation if the person just has one thing to fixate on whatever that fixation is right yeah yeah because i find yeah, I, I find um, a lot of the time uh, the, the main thing people say to me is I can't meditate because I can't focus. It's like it's not always about focusing. It's about paying attention. And there, there is a difference, isn't there? Because it's, it's just that being that awareness of that thing you've chose to fixate on. You don't have to stare sharply with every intense bound of energy you have with inside you to do it correctly. Obviously, you can build up to something a bit more like that but yeah. yeah at first all you need to do is just sit down pay attention to how you're breathing and then from there maybe develop into how you're feeling around your breathing etc and it yeah so yeah. yeah yeah and i guess you know we'll, we'll we'll get into that a little more we will that's why i stopped myself because i was like yeah that's topic number three not number one okay yeah still. <laughs> it's, it's all enthusiasm it's all yes. enthusiasm okay johnny so i'm gonna hand over to you now to introduce yourself in any way that feels meaningful to you so just let us know a bit more about you and and what you do and then we'll move into the first topic over okay to you. cool so um my name is johnny simpson i am a holistic health and wellness coach i work with uh, holos health in carlisle and i also work as an online coach um doing similar thing see i help people with exercise lifestyle mindfulness nutrition all that joyful bunch rolled into one so yeah and um i also um uh, do quite a lot of publicity work for cystic fibrosis that sort of thing um i have that so it's just you know gives me extra incentive to uh stay accountable on my own holistic journey too and i feel that is arguably the best thing i've ever done for my health is 
take on board all of these things. Um, so yeah, I'd say my my personal life and my working life are very synonymous in that those, you know, like when it comes to values and behavior and that sort of thing. And yeah, and I just feel if you have something good to share, then share it. And that's why I'm sat here with you today. Um, yeah, so hopefully we can do that. Oh, well, thank you for that introduction. And I'm wondering if those two parts to what you do um, are linked, you know, if one maybe led to the other, the cystic fibrosis <coughs> and your work as a coach. It did, yes. So um, funnily enough, and we're going to get to this with the awakening thing, um, cystic fibrosis has inspired the majority of the things I do today. Things I used to despise about myself and life um, turned into the and I kid you not, like the best experiences I've had. Um, so yeah, um, I found the best job I've ever had. It doesn't feel like work, you know. Um, so yeah, the cystic fibrosis was definitely the catalyst for me to really, really pay attention to my own health, not just physically, but mentally. And then, yeah, I figured I got good results and wanted to learn more. And then that, yes, branched out into wanting to help other people do the same. So yes, they are very, very strongly linked. So pleased to hear that something that, you know, it would, I'm sure by most people's standards, be something that would be a struggle, something negative. And, um, you know, I talk a lot on this pod and in, in my life, actually, about turning the shit in your life into fertilizer. And, you know, it sounds like you've definitely done that. And it's it's one of the most inspiring things, I think, that is coming through from the people that come on the podcast, like Matt last time with his HIV diagnosis. And he said, you know, actually, I'm kind of I'm grateful for it because of what it's yeah. brought me in my life. And I'm hearing that with what you're saying there about the CF. Yeah, it, it's so true. And I think like on the outside looking in when it's maybe a topic that people aren't used to talking about or comfortable talking about, you know, because... Um, I understand these can be uncomfortable topics for people, but it can almost look that people, you're trying to convince them you're like this fake cut type of positive. Okay. You know, because, because like when, I don't mean all of the time, but, you know, just say, for example, you were to meet a random stranger and you told them that all of these bad things that happened to you were actually the best things ever and that you love everything that's ever happened. I think it can be really quite difficult for people to, really appreciate that you do truly mean that you fully embody and embrace those sentiments you know and that's why I feel um leading by example as much as possible proves it as much as the the topics we're speaking about today that's why I try to be as open as possible uh, with every aspect of it because if I'm truly to show people that I'm at peace and that everything that has happened to me has helped me create the life I want then I have to be able to go in you know, go open every, open up every part of me and be willing to share. It. Well, it's I'm easy just... to say life is good when you don't share the bad parts, right? Yeah. And I, I just don't know if it's as trustworthy. When... <clears throat> but this is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's exactly what I'm getting to. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. But, but on the outside looking in, people access it the other way, don't they? Like I'm saying, it's not always positive in most people's eyes. Sorry. It's not always cool to be positive to people when you see the good in everything. It almost can irritate a lot of people mm. because they, they not, I can't think of a good example right now, but do you know what I mean? It can, in society, people kind of like to have a moan. They like to, and I totally get it. And then someone comes along who's trying to see the good in everything or naturally sees the good in everything. And it can throw people off a little bit. But if then, if you did it the other way, which is part of the problem here. You're telling everyone everything's okay 
and not going any further when it probably isn't. I usually find if someone can talk about something, it might not be okay then, but it's a step, first step for it to becoming something that you're okay with. Yes. And if we don't yeah. do that more, if we don't do that more and things keep being the other way, where we just tell everyone we're okay, but that's just the easiest way to bury things. And I don't mean easy in a way where I'm lacking empathy, but it's just, you know, it's, it's, it, it buries things, doesn't it? More so. It's like, I don't, if I, if I don't ever have to tell anyone what's really going on, I don't have to confront it myself. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why we're about the total opposite. Tell everyone everything. I'm not saying uh, <laughs> you have to tell every person, but you know, and what I mean more so is, if you if you can dig deep and embrace every part of yourself eventually you get comfortable with it and when you get comfortable with it everyone else gets comfortable with it because i feel we only make people insecure about our own insecurities does that make sense yeah in a lot of ways well i, I yeah i think people feel it you know and and, yeah. and even though they might not be able to articulate what that is you know there's just a sense that i'm not comfortable around that person and we can usually tell we've got like a sixth or seventh sense whatever it might be yes so that, yeah. that genuineness and because we know in ourselves you know if we're if we're struggling and we're hiding it i think we can yeah. usually pick up on the fact that somebody else is doing that and the thing is most of us don't want to have that word with ourselves, and that's why it's so hard to reach out to other people. Yeah, impossible because yeah. it's so frightening. It's like, what are they going to uncover that I don't know about myself? You know, yeah. where are we going to go here? I, I well, it's interesting actually because four of the questions that are usually part of the Soham meditation, I, I didn't do them, but they've come up now, and that. I guess that, that that that's 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 needed, um, and it's just what you were saying there. It kind of these four soul questions are, yep. are kind of what you were referring to there, um, un, unknowingly. Um, and so the first one is, "Who am I?" Yes. Second one, "What do I want?" And that can be anything. Yeah, yeah. Third is, "What is my purpose in life?" Or a different way that you could ask that is, "How can I use my unique?" talents and gifts to serve others um, this is a bit more directive but yeah no but um, no it's, I, I like the way they're formulated it's good and then the last one what am I grateful for yeah and you know the awesome thing with all of those is there's no wrong answers to any of those questions really is there where what why when how type of yeah. questions yeah, yeah it's an open it's an exploration into who you are what you are why you're yeah. here Hey everybody, just a short break to let you know that I have included the four soul questions in the show notes for this episode that Johnny and I were just talking about there. This can be a really interesting way for you to spend some time with yourself asking and answering these important questions about why you're here, what's meaningful to you about your life and it can be really rewarding and motivating to explore in this way. And on top of that, it might be really interesting for you to share these answers with somebody that you care about, somebody that you want to connect with more deeply to increase that intimacy and maybe thinking about the, uh, the way of viewing intimacy as into me, see, see into me in these really deep and meaningful ways. It's a really great way to uh, find connection. 
Anyway, back to the show. Well, actually, two men talking here. Um, I would like to ask you something that shows my ignorance slightly, but I'm going to be brave and open in, in asking you, what, what is cystic fibrosis and how does it affect so, one's life? So that is a good question. Cystic fibrosis, it's a genetic disorder. So each person gets two different types of it, right? Um, there's basically two genetic expressions. Mine is double delta F508, which is basically two expressions of the same gene. And that's the most common. There's over a thousand known types of cystic fibrosis, but the main things are, yeah, it's passed down genetically and it mainly affects the respiratory and digestive systems. But symptoms can vary greatly among the different types of cystic fibrosis that are out there. There's ones that are much more severe than mine. There's ones that are much milder. But yeah, it can mean um, chronic lung infections, um, scarring of the pancreas. Uh, those, those are the two main areas of concern across the board. Mm -hmm. But then you can have people who live till 70 and they, they, get, they think they've got the flu one day and then they go into hospital and they're diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. Oh. You know, it can, be, it can literally be that mild. Or you can sadly get much severe cases much more severe cases of it where you know it can fatality mortality rates are very at a very young age so yeah it's it is a very serious illness there's no cures for it medication and scientific advances over the past 10 years have been incredible and yeah so it affects about 10,000 people in the UK um, you know I take nebulizers uh, breathing treatments um, but the medication I used to have to take a long time ago now it barely takes any time in a day. And I find the best thing to actually complement and combat the cystic fibrosis and on top of the medication is training, nutrition, mindfulness, all of those things. So yeah, it's hard to answer that one in the one short sentence, but hopefully that gives you a, a gist on what it is. We really struggle to gain weight. We struggle to, uh, you know, our immune system's compromised. And we, most of us, are trying to stay as healthy as we can until we get a double lung trance. Well, the actual, the main killer of cystic fibrosis is needing a double lung transplant. The second is recovery from a double lung transplant. And the third is liver failure. So it affects, let's take the what type I have, for example, it affects pretty much the entire body in a certain aspect. Um, yeah, it affects pretty much everything. Wow. And and how would you say, you know, when you have been in more of a place of struggle with it, maybe before yeah. you started looking after yourself in the way that you do, how, how did it affect you day to day, week to week? Like what kind of things? Did um, well, when I got to my worst, the problem <clears throat> was um, I was victimizing myself so much. So it probably didn't have to get as bad as it was. But, you know, I've spent about three years of my life in hospital. Right. I used to go in, obviously this was um, like, I used to go in maybe two weeks every eight weeks for intravenous uh, antibiotic medication. Okay. Um, so like growing up, obviously the things weren't as advanced then. So they first were like, you might live till this age, that age, that age, but obviously it kept getting longer and longer as science advanced. Okay. But um, yeah, I, I remember the first like lots of, painful memories you know like emotionally and um physically as well you know very traumatic times i had like gave me post-traumatic stress depression anxiety you name it um because there's so much you go through it's like 
in your body and mentally and you're just a child you have no control over it whatsoever you know you gets to a certain age all the other kids are developing you develop much later than them you're always missing school because you're in hospital half the time you're in school you're ill your digestive system doesn't work properly so going to the bathroom etc isn't quite the same you know you're always coughing um just all these things that you know like when you're growing up that like kids it's we all know growing up can be a very sensitive time right and it influences everything you do so much no kid what really wants to be the odd one out you know there's this desire to fit in isn't there so when you have this gaping like severe illness then combined with a child who the only way they know to gain back control is to rebel against that thing it can it creates an absolute shit show it really does and that's exactly what i did because i felt yeah the only way to take back control was to rebel against it but guess what the only person who suffered more so from that was me let's pretend it doesn't exist let's pretend we're in control of it that just made my health worse and worse and worse and it got really bad at one point so you were fighting against your your illness I was fighting against my reality, yes. Yeah, against yourself. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, I was my own worst enemy, I kid you not. And it caused a lot of problems at home as well, you know. I, like, really, really strained relationship with parents, you name it. Like, school, it just did. It, it, I'd say the cystic fibrosis was a catalyst for me to <clears throat> use as a reason to disrupt everything around me. Okay. Yeah, so it was, it was, yeah, like I say, it was quite a shit show. But again, I had to go through all of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I, I can't say I ever, ever would have truly, truly found like in a, a truly fulfilled, peaceful state in my life. So, yeah, it's funny how life works, huh? Yeah, yeah. And was there a point where you weren't talking? We we're talking about the importance of, of why men should talk more. You know, was that something that you didn't do for a while? Did you keep things? In I'd time? say most of my life I probably didn't. Yeah. Because I, you know, I, I went inwards. I, there was back then. And it, this is one of the main reasons I started speaking out because back then there was no resources. There was nobody uh, like, and I don't hold this against my medical team whatsoever or anybody. I'm grateful for everyone who's helped me stay alive and be here today. So this isn't, mm-hmm. this is just me speaking from what I needed at the time, but I couldn't communicate because I didn't know any better. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the important distinction here so there was all these people living around the world with normal lives and with cystic fibrosis flourishing and I was never told about these I didn't know that it you know it didn't have to be so bleak I just thought I'm going to die what's the point no point trying in school no point making effort with this whatever whatever I don't want to take my treatment I always have to go into hospital when I don't want to I've had all these operations you know like really really traumatic times <clears throat> and uh yeah so it was uh my, my catalyst for that was when I got healthy again I was like I don't want a kid going for what I'm going through mm-hmm. not knowing that it doesn't have to be that way and then that was yeah that was a huge huge catalyst for me you know that was a huge inspiration to get behind what I was doing not just for myself but to do something greater than something for myself, you know, become part of a greater movement. Yeah. And that, that really encouraged me to get out there and share my story because I got healthy and I was like, holy shit, my not saying that every person with cystic fibrosis is ill because I know there's a huge stroke of luck, but 
it does not have to be complete doom and gloom. We can control it so much more than we maybe kid ourselves or are led to believe in certain ways. But the problem is, you know, it's it's an age where you're powerless anyway. You don't have any real say in your health yeah. when you're a kid. Yeah. You're just the, the victim and the passenger, or sorry, the, the uh, maybe not the victim, but you are literally, you have no say in any part of it whatsoever. And I remember it got to one point, I was like, I'm not going into hospital. So they were like, like, we will have to force you by law to go in if you don't want to. And all I was going in for was like, I think it was an operation at the time. And I knew it was going to be a really painful one. And I was just like, you know, like I, I my body's being, I feel like my body's being abused. And at the time, the problem was, I just didn't see that it was for my own good. But it was very hard to do at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to appreciate that something that is, so painful, uncomfortable, life, um, I suppose, limiting or, you know, stopping. And you're, you're meant to trust that that's going to be for your benefit. Like, that, you know, for me, it's like the definition yeah. of trauma, being trapped in something that you don't want to be and having to deal with painful consequences of that. Yeah, and it was literally that for, it felt about 17, 18 years. Yeah, so it was, you know... Um, and like things like as well, like me and my dad, my dad, like is like my best friend now and he will be watching this. So he's my best friend now, but we weren't, um, he wasn't really around, like things happened, life happened. So we weren't really in contact for, you know, the majority of my life, especially growing up. Okay. And there was also the, the conflicting feelings of like the resent I built up towards my mother around it all which who I love absolutely dearly as well. And that resent isn't there anymore. Mm -hmm. But when I was angry with myself, you know, like my mother, like being one of the people to pin me down when they're doing really painful things to me or, you know, and it was just like, kind of felt like not the ultimate betrayal, but when you're that young, you can't put your finger on it, but you just know that it's wrong mm -hmm. or it feels wrong to you. Yeah. And your psyche just like, I don't know, it almost gets like uh, broken but you don't realize it's broken until you start to mature and realize certain things. Yeah. So when did you, I, I heard you there say about how you spoke out following you becoming aware of how you could help yourself. And, you know, you were kind of on the other side, I suppose, of, of your healing and moving through that, but the talking for you was that something that helped you in becoming more well did you have anyone to talk to man or woman or anybody to help you find your way no I don't feel like I did know and that's why I've made it my life purpose to make sure people don't have to do that and that's why I'm so vocal about it so don't get me wrong like I have had people who love me even then but they, our relationship had been so tattered by everything that had happened around us. Say, my dad wasn't around. Me and my mum, our relationship was awful. Um, her marriage wasn't ideal for things that were happening with us also at the time. You know, there was a lot of, uh, I ended up getting kicked out of home at like 17. And I remember literally having to start my life over again with nothing but the clothes I was wearing. And that's when I was really sick as well. Had to leave school, etc. But don't get me wrong, it's not as if, I'd been taken from the ideal setting and then just put in that. There'd been a big build up to that. And I definitely played my own part in that happening. So it's not a blame game, but that happened. And uh, I just absolutely hit rock bottom for a little while. And uh, 
I kid you not, I will never forget the day. It was the 10th of October, 2005. I did not know back then because obviously, here's another thing I have to say is back then we didn't have all these resources. There wasn't social media. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just easy to jump online and find people who've been through the same things as you. You had your clinic, you had libraries. That was pretty much it. Where else could you access information back then? It wasn't even a thing. So like, what was I getting to? Sorry. Oh yeah. So the day I woke up, it was, I didn't know it was world mental health day, 10th of October. Yeah. I kid you not. There'd been some really cool synchronicities, Well, I guess I'll get to those some other time, but yeah. And I just looked in the mirror that day. I have a picture. It's been on plenty of news broadcasts and documentaries I've done and stuff. It's an infamous picture. I took it that day and I just looked in the mirror and I was like, what the fuck have you done to yourself? And it, and it all just hit me. And I kid you not, I did nothing to prepare for that moment. I did. There was no buildup. There was no intuition. There was no insight or anything. It just all hit me there and then. And I was like, look what you have done. Look what you have created. And look how much of a mess you are. But it wasn't beating myself up. It was so empowering because I finally saw that I had created this. And it didn't have to be that way anymore. You know, I'd absolutely run myself into the ground with drugs, you know, bad crowd, not doing any of my medication, not going into hospital, you know, just doing nothing that was good for me. Absolutely abused my mind and body completely. And then it just got to a point where I guess whatever we want to call it, my survival instinct kicked in, my my higher awareness, whatever that beautiful, beautiful thing is. And yeah. I just had these amazing realizations and I didn't even have to choose to change. It just happened effortlessly. I started lifting weights. I started funnily enough because again, at the time I didn't know I had no resources in what I wanted to do. So I was just like, right, just start lifting weights, eat as much food as you can. I kept doing that, kept doing that, kept doing that and started to get really good results eventually. And then it obviously all folded out a couple of years later. My results were awesome did a BBC documentary and I just, it all just snowballed from there. And I want, I started banging on people's doors. Cause again, back then social media had just started. Yeah. So I was getting in touch with radio, newspaper, TV, telling them everyone about everything I'd done. And I want everyone else to start doing this too. And yeah, that's the rest is history. Yeah. Oh, that's so amazing to hear that you actually by taking responsibility for actually something that, you know, you took responsibility for your response to something that wasn't your fault. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's the key thing there. Yeah. And the empower, like I really loved the way that you perfectly um, illustrated how, when you take responsibility for the responses, for what's happening (laughs) in your life, your behaviors, your actions. Yeah. It feels like shit because you're in it, but there becomes this moment on the other side of extreme empowerment and That, yes. You know, it's a line I use in therapy all the time. You know, this is going to be uncomfortable me saying this to you, but I'm doing it to give you the responsibility back so that you can do something about it because your life is not in somebody else's hands. It's yours. That honestly, that that is the key message right there. It's it's all down to you, whoever you are. And like you say, we you made really good points there. We're going to have to get uncomfortable. It's okay to reach out, but whoever we reach out to, 
it still has to come from within first, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, and yeah, it's it's going to be ugly. Mm. It's going to be oh wow, the amount of vulnerability you have to embrace yeah. and the openness when things aren't going a certain way. But the way I see it is, yeah, you either pay attention to it and do something about it, or we just keep burying it and let me get worse. Yeah. But the thing is, we think we can ignore it, but the longer we do that, the worse it gets. But sometimes it's just easier to keep looking the other way, isn't it? And pretending, yeah. And actually, you know, what you're doing there is giving it power because what you fear, you feed and it grows. And, you know, that wonderful quote, which I use a lot on my um, website, which is what you resist persists. It's not going to go anywhere. It's just going to get bigger and uglier the more you resist. Yeah, and that, that's exactly what I did with my cystic fibrosis that made it so bad. The more I embrace it, the more I hug it, the more I just accept it that it's part of life and it exists, the less power it has over everything I do. Yeah. And you don't have to like it. I think this is the thing where people confuse the positivity with toxic positivity. Of course, you wouldn't, yeah. you don't want to feel some of the things that come with it, but that you can yeah. still embrace them. It's almost like that family member that you don't really like, but they add value in some way. So you find a way to have them in your life. Yeah. It's, it's like you say, it's the that distinction we, we made earlier about um, it, it's not the fact of like, the cystic fibrosis is the thing I cannot change but I can choose how I react to that thing and yes I don't have to give it loads of love and say it's an amazing thing because it's not it's a nasty horrible killer but my acceptance of that fact there is the thing that empowers me you know it's like life can be incredibly ugly nobody's uh, denying that you know we all have horrible horrible things that we painful things that we will have to go through but they're much, much worse if we don't accept them. Yeah. And in anything we can accept, no matter how hard it is, like you say, the, the empowerment we get from that is it, it's something we can all tap into. And I just like to encourage as many people to do it as possible because life is so much better when we do. Yeah, and the, to be honest, the, the darker stuff, the scarier stuff, again, I'll, I use a lot in, in in my work with people. I'll say, you know, over time when you trust me, uh, I want you to bring those things that feel the most uncomfortable because that's where the juicy stuff is, that stuff that it you really is. think is shameful. No. You know, we can we can do something really cool with that, and I'm going to look after you while, while we do that. Yeah. And I suppose that's a big fear that men have that, generally there isn't this uh experience with with delving into darker aspects of themselves and and verbalizing that to others it's just kind of not I mean more so recently but like you say yourself you know it just wasn't available at that time so you only went no. had the option to go in on yourself but it it doesn't have to be that hard you can yeah and 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 there's that there's that illusion of control as well isn't there that i think it's so easy for men to build up it's like huh like that that dismissive approach that makes someone convince themselves they feel strong because they can dismiss it Mm. you know like huh what's cystic fibrosis you know whatever that you know whatever that predicament may be that that person's not comfortable delving into it's just like a very common uh, a strategy to deal with it is to pretend you're minimalizing it as much as possible but that minimalizing it 
comes from the total opposite of acceptance and putting it under the microscope, doesn't it? It's like, no, it's at the back of the room. We don't even need to talk about that thing. I'm in control. But yeah. Yeah, and then all of the energy goes on keeping it there, so there's none left for anything else because yes, you're so concerned exactly. with not yeah. paying attention. It's like, I'm not going to look over here and I'm going to ignore the fact that my neck will become damaged at some point. Yeah, you know? like... <laughs> and all of that neck strain is down to, yeah, like you say, avoid Yeah, it's having an and impact feel... anyway. Yeah. And I, I feel so many things with human behaviour um, are so counterintuitive to what's truly, truly good for us emotionally and to obtain peace. You know, a lot of the ways we may think we are acting to solve a thing is actually often the total opposite of what is really good for us mm -hmm. in so many ways. Yeah. And, you know, I think as well, nothing is inherently bad or wrong or unhealthy. It's just if it's done no. to an extreme, you know, anything in extreme creates ill health on any level, physical, psychological, emotional, energetic. And, you know, we just need balance. And yeah, uh, key word there. And I feel <laughs> that's why openness is so important, because then you welcome both ends of everything, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you also start to appreciate how you kind of need both ends of many things to truly truly you know just it, you see how like life kind of connects and works together in that way yeah yeah and and you know on the men uh, the importance of why men should talk I think that's a really interesting uh way to view it that you know if if somebody comes to me anybody in my life and they are hyper masculine and all of these kind of natural um not natural sorry all of these forced ways of being you know yeah. i i will just say you know are there any ways in which that you know holds you back you know is it is it if you refuse to connect with what you would consider to be femininity or feminine qualities you know how is that working for you is it are you doing okay yeah. you know and it yeah. usually yeah. you know if it's out of balance there will be an impact somewhere in their lives yeah, absolutely. And again, I, I, I here's the thing, like when we talk about masculinity, I think it's important to just for, for anybody watching, and I know this phrase is overly used, um, so I'm not going to coin the term that I'm about to explain with this, but toxic masculinity, for example, right? There's like this masculinity in itself is incredibly healthy, just like femininity. But like we were saying with uh, the other things just before, being open to both ends and allowing them to meet in the middle for that balance, I feel is essential to truly be, you know, so we can be in touch with our emotions. We can be strong within them. Mm. And when we see how amazing men and women can be together and it's okay to have traits of both, mm. our relationships with ourselves and everyone around us become so much greater, don't we? Because then we're not shunning or ignoring any certain aspect of typical human behavior or things that make us thrive. Yeah. And things that make us thrive are, whether we like to admit it or not, I don't mean me or you, but being loving, being open, being vulnerable, because again, it's doing the opposite of those doesn't really work out very well for most people, does it? It's interesting that you mention about the term toxic masculinity there. And I know that a lot of people struggle with that term. I think it's almost become overused. It's lost its um, original yeah. kind of intention or power and a way that I have heard uh, it described which actually I think is much more helpful is wounded masculine and yeah. that it's actually coming from a place of vulnerability because toxic sounds like strong and abusive and horrible <coughs> and actually what's underneath all of that is a wound of some kind to that 
that that man or that person who has you know an, an intense amount of masculine energy that's not healthy and you know if you can use that term I think it helps you get underneath it a bit better rather than finding it so kind of uh, frightening absolutely and and it allows the people maybe who maybe would start using that term instead to understand the person that they're coining with that thing is healing just like everybody else because what is what does a wounded person need to do they need to heal right yes yeah. yeah and like you said when we call something toxic it's almost like we're saying there's no use for it and it's inexcusable right yes yes yeah yeah so yeah that's that's a much better way wounded masculinity that's that's a great way of coining it yeah <clears throat> yeah it's uh and it brings me also to the idea of alpha male um so yes. i don't know if you've heard about how the whole alpha male thing was was spun to be something totally different by that um by some businessman yeah. i don't know do you know about that yeah yeah so here, here's the thing like i i spend um most of my like yeah i all into the divine masculine and feminine and you know the, the spiritual side of all that so yeah it's inevitable you come across it in pop culture how yeah. it's being portrayed and yeah, it's quite ridiculous how it's been um, portrayed in so many different ways that are just the total opposite of what alpha male really stands for. And this is what I think is like a, a real alpha male, just from my perspective, um, is an amazing thing when it's upheld in the correct ways. You know, the the protector, the one who oversees all, the loving um, person who makes everything fair for every person everywhere yeah. and that strength is only used to make society stay together and work together and protect the vulnerable etc etc that to be an alpha male they have purpose etc but there's none of that there's no wounded projections or no. need for control or um, need to rule over others with an iron fist mm -hmm. etc or no bullying no none of that it's a total opposite that strength is only used for the greater good yeah and and you know the image that i think can help people maybe understand what alpha male was originally intended to be which is all of those qualities that you've said there but an image is that role of um i think it's uh is it uh, bison or something the 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 cows and they're in a long row and the vulnerable are in the middle of the pack and you've got the kind of the mid strength if you like the ones that can yeah, yeah. at the front and actually the leader is at the back he's leading from behind not taking center stage he's there yeah. keeping an eye on everything and making sure that the group is kind of a cohesive whole helping each other representing um a, you know a totally different kind of leadership which is absolutely exactly like the, the opposite of the the, the yeah. more kind of uh more well-known version of the alpha male it's actually something totally yeah. different it's more like matriarchal yeah, like, rather than patriarchal but but like i say the, the the matriarchy and patriarchy when we truly understand them they're both beautiful things uh -huh. and we've just and this is why men and women are amazing together when we truly honor our patriarchy and our matriarchy and let both shine in their own light but i just feel like you say it's the same thing with femininity or sorry feminism it's just so misunderstood now and it's maybe not the certain practices or ways people are acting aren't actually um what you would really truly class as a true meaning of feminism just like with masculinism or whatever you like to call it masculinity but yeah it's uh Society seems to have a really good way of uh, misskewing things and completely 
representing them in the opposite manner of where they originated from, right? Yeah, and through that lack of understanding of nuance, of uh, that things are not black or white, you know, there's always somewhere in between. And and actually, I think a lot of that thinking, that unhelpful thinking that's very imbalanced, comes into why men find it so difficult to talk because they think it's, you know, it's going to make them gay or it's going to make them too feminine. And it's like, yeah, it will. And that's a good, not gay, but, you know, like it's going to make you. I totally know what you mean. You know, and that, you know, show me a man and woman in a a relationship where the woman doesn't say, I wish he would talk to me more. I wish he would open up more. It's like, that's how you'll get her into bed. You know, you can still do that stuff. Just help her feel wanted by embracing some of the qualities that you're so frightened to fucking express. Like, I'll help you. (laughs) And it's slowly, slow. it's sad because it slowly eats away at those people, doesn't it? Both of them. Both of them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and resenting so many other things build up, but like you know, for me, like the 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 alpha male is the the like the the overseer and protector of everything, who never needs credit for everything, and mm-hmm. his leadership is to lead everyone with him, not to be the top of a pinnacle that everyone that they're di- and they're not dictating to everybody. It's the complete opposite. It's like a democracy, and we see everyone's strengths and encourage everyone to develop their strengths mm. and never to have a need for power over anyone. And we only ever would say, uh, resort to things like say violence when it's the absolutely necessary to protect people who can't do it themselves, yeah. you know? And there's none of this like, right, I'm alpha. So I'm, I, I'm going to pick a fight. I have to be a good fighter. That's okay. Because I, I, I read this saying, actually one of my friends posted a few weeks ago, it said, um, Forgive me if I butcher it, but it's along the lines of um, if we left all of our thinking to people who never fought and all of our fighting to people who never think, society would be in chaos. We need people who do both. We need thinkers and fighters combined in one. So, you know, you have someone who can fight, but they know when to do it and when not to. And I think that sums up um, what patriarchy should be. Yeah. That logical protector who's loving yeah. and fair for everybody. But like you say, if we're not prepared to embrace our femininity, our feminine side, as much as our masculine, then it's going to be very hard for most people to be able to bridge the gap and meet those in the middle and then be able to experience those amazing traits that we can all have. Yeah. And how amazing is it when we all meet in those same places like I remember that yeah, I've been an incredibly toxic person in my past before I awakened. I have no, no shadow of a doubt, you know, I, but then you go through awakening. It, it purifies everything about you. And I don't mean purifies and it makes you saint like, mm. because you have to come to terms with all of your fuck ups. Yeah. But then after that, you see that there's a much better way of living for you and everybody else around you. And it makes you stronger, but it also softens you up too, because you realize the areas you've been trying to be strong in don't need it. And the areas you've been avoiding are the real ones that maybe require a bit more strength. But it, it, the more you do it, the more effortlessly it comes, because it feels like you're going with the natural flow of things in life instead of resisting the way things are. Hey, everyone. Just another quick break here to remind you of the 40-day mantra meditation commitment that I'm starting on Tuesday the 22nd of November. 
It's a 40-day challenge ending on New Year's Eve using the mantra Ad Gurai Nameh. I talked about the uh, the origin and potential benefits of mantra earlier on in this particular show and this mantra is all about protection and projection so being able to tune into those qualities of the heart that compassion that kindness that acceptance and sending that out into the world and then receiving it back at least thousandfold to yourself so as you project out this love through the mantra and this gratefulness to everything that surrounds you and that is within you then you get it back and it can always be a place of confidence that you will be okay that you are fully protected by yourself and all that's around you it's an amazing way to set yourself up for the new year and doing it for 40 days is a really powerful way of embedding a new practice of meditation into your life and a really as i say a really great way to set up your 2023 on not only an energetic and spiritual level but actually the use of these mantra really affect you on a physical and mental level but as with everything and as Johnny and I discuss in the next segment of the show it's about the practice it's about that self-discipline and giving yourself a chance to experience something else maybe become awakened in a different way I promise you you won't regret this if you want to join me then send me an email to martinblacklock at gmail.com During this week, I will send you out the mantra so you can practice the words and get a feel for it. And then on Tuesday, the 22nd of November, we will all join live on a Zoom session to begin. And then I will leave you for a week to do it of your own accord at roughly the same time each day, preferably in the morning. And then we will join on roughly a weekly basis over the 40 days before we finish together on New Year's Eve to, uh, to, to have a ceremony to, to close your amazing commitment, which I hope that you will join me in. So I look forward to sharing this with you and help you experience some of what Johnny and I go on to discuss in the next segment of the show. So let's get back to it. Yes, yes. So it's it, it, it might seem uh, incredibly frightening to turn things on their head and start doing things differently. And yes, it is. And there's not anything that we can do to take away from that. And actually, I wouldn't want to because then you'll feel so much more empowered having faced it. But what yes. exists on the other side of doing things differently that are more in line with the natural flow of things, which is, I guess, what we'll come on to a bit more, is actually it kind of spirals up in the opposite way yep. that it spiraled down because you're going with what is more natural, what is meant for you. And yeah, it does mean turning things on its head, but it it can exponentially positively improve matters and again you know I see this in couples counseling when when you know we'll just use the masculine feminine thing when a woman finally hears the man speaking vulnerably and listens to her it's like everything else that happened before doesn't matter because it's like there's the connection you don't need much of the good stuff to outweigh so much negativity when it's been done in the you know unhealthy way let's say previously 
And it must be an incredibly rewarding thing. Like you say, like but sometimes people just need that that dot connected, don't they? And like you say, it can completely obliterate all the other bullshit they've been carrying. So yeah, I can imagine that being an incredible experience to be part of. Oh, it is. And, you know, of course it needs practice, you know, because it can feel good. Yeah. But those in <laughs> under pressure, the old habits, the readily available responses that are well-practiced, you know, in the other direction will show up. So, you know, you've got to, and this is where kind of the physical um, metaphors come in. So it's like, you're not going to be able to use a muscle unless you work on building it. And I I guess, you know, in your work with men, you're, you're going to get people coming from that physical point of view, maybe initially, and then you help build these other ideas using their physicality. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you say that the, uh, flexing and training a muscle is even with the meditation thing like any skill it's it's a great analogy for it it really is um and like you say it's uh for example if i say to somebody i'm talking to them about meditation nutrition exercise whichever those ones it is or we're learning new lifestyle skills whatever yeah it, it there's always that point of everything we are talking about we, we have to no matter it me and you talking about all of this right now is very important but the, the main thing we have to come to terms with in a lot of it is it's going to take a lot of work, mm. but it's absolutely worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And whatever that thing is, the more you train it, the better you will get at it. The more your skills will develop with it, but you're not going to get them by not doing the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's fulfillment in the doing in showing yourself that you're important. You know, it's not just the end yeah. result. There's, there's something about being in process as well that is um, worthwhile. Uh, yeah. And I, and I kid you not as, as well, it probably does sound cheesy, but I, it's uh, the process is everything in most things, you know, the end goal is good when we achieve the goal, but a lot of the time people want to go back and do it again because it was a process of doing it that was so fun, right? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So Johnny, tell me about your awakening. Wow. Oh, right. So um, the first one I had was that day I woke up on 10th of October, 2005, a few months before I turned 19. So it's interesting how it worked for me because the first one was the existential realization of uh, what I was doing, what myself was doing to my mind and body. But this one, I had zero choice in. You know, this one was like <clears throat> something had just taken over. I, I, any terms I use here, I use them very loosely. Um, they're just signposts towards the experience. So um, my, my higher awareness kicked in it took over it was like okay you've had you've been in charge long enough now and if you carry on that way we're probably not going to be here much longer so guess what I'm taking the wheel now and yeah it just there was no choice in it there was no effort you know it was just literally I the only choice was I had no other choice it became very easy to start doing everything that I knew would be good for my health And yeah, and I just had this amazing, I remember about eight or nine months period where I was like, I'm not doing that anymore. And I didn't even have to try to keep that as my reality. It just stuck. And life was beautiful. And I started noticing everything around me so much more because I wasn't so in my head. And I started to appreciate literally everything. Yeah, so the, the first one, but the thing is as well, I couldn't capitalize on it then 
to its true potential because there was no resources and I had no idea what happened to me then. You know, there was only the psychiatry level of um, you're no longer depressed, but it was so much more than that because I've been in and out of depression a few times when I was younger and I know what it was like to not be depressed and I know what it was like to be depressed. This was something a million times greater and I truly wish my words, they never will be able to, but I truly wish one day my words can truly help people understand the power of awakening to how much better it will make their life. But all I can do is keep talking about it, keep showing people my life. But yeah, so um, I didn't have any resources at the time. You know, I had no idea what spirituality was. I had no idea about, I used to meditate, but I didn't know what it could actually do to the brain. You know, many, many things. There was no resources. I couldn't just Google it. There was no access to anything so I just had to run with it no complaints whatsoever but I couldn't identify what happened to me and I was just in this wonder of what the hell you know um and then next one didn't happen for another because obviously I went into doing this doing that got carried away with life you know and just lived my life in the the sense of self if you will but a much better version of Uh and then um I had a huge one at 31 but that one was more I had a huge huge desire uh this burning sensation with inside me desperate for change but this was emotionally and I'd what I'd done to my body my first awakening came from that and what I'd done to my mind but the second one was so much deeper. It was what I'd done to all of my intimate relationships and why my relationships had always turned out the way they were and what I had actually done to keep prolonging this purgatory of just repetitive BS and, you know, just... And I, I just saw how toxic I was. And, yeah, so I just spent months and months and months um, meditating and reading and researching and it became this quite obsessive endeavor at the time I didn't even know what I was looking for I didn't even know that awakening was a thing but then it happened and I just had this crazy eureka moment where I had that first real experience of not being identified with the self anymore and it just absolutely blew my mind the main catalyst was the power of now and from there it just uh changed my life completely like wow so if I simplify that down to something that might um, land for those who still aren't really connecting with the idea of awakening, and the way that I hear what, what you're saying there is on a physical yeah. level, first of all, um, yeah. you became absolutely sick of yourself that actually you, you changed your mind, you know? Yes, absolutely. That. So yeah, forgive me. I am meant to be making this practical. So I do forgive, <laughs> forgive okay. me on that. Yeah. It's just, it's a, it's quite a, it's not a tricky question to answer without depth, but to really, really um, do it justice, I kind of have to go there at the same of time. Course. But then also, yeah, yeah. I'm happy to uh, make it more practical. Yeah. So basically I'd got, to, yeah, I, I take this huge realization that, um, I'd been doing so many things subconsciously that were not good for my health. And I'd created all of these defense mechanisms and triggers and 
you know, trauma responses, literally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they were they were all happening subconsciously because uh, obviously we bury things, etc. And yeah, I, I finally got a realization when I got really ill. Thankfully, before it was too late, you know that yeah, I'd, I'd done really bad things to myself for too long, and I had a eureka moment that as soon as I saw that I had done those things, mm-hmm. I could reverse them with my actions. Yeah. And so it was just an awakening from subconscious behaviors yeah. that had been gone on for so, so, so long. But the pain was, it, it got to a point where the pain was that unbearable. I couldn't ignore it anymore. Well, and that's what suffering does, you know? Yes. It, it, I think it shows yeah. you what's not meant for you. And after a certain amount of it i guess it 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 forces you towards what is meant for you yeah so i guess that's a great way we could maybe coin awakening right is by the like i said the first two times i did it were totally different the first one was through um my ignorance led to not being able to ignore the pain anymore so imagine you're looking away and somebody's cutting you but it's your own hand And you keep cutting yourself and you keep cutting yourself and you keep cutting yourself. But eventually you can't keep doing that anymore. So you have to look at that pain. And that's what I finally did. And then I looked and was like, whoa, (laughs) we need to do something about this. Yeah. Yeah. And not that, Um, not that, that I've been doing all of this time. Because now I see I've woken up and looked over there and gone, fuck, this is what's actually happening here. I've got to do something different. And you know that the hardest thing, though, is like having the ability to actually see what you're doing subconsciously a person can live an entire lifetime completely as crazy as it sounds as as copus mentis as logical as that person might be that person can still live an entire lifetime with so many detrimental habits that they just don't pay any attention to mm-hmm. yeah so I feel that's why these kind of conversations are so important because most people, my first awakening, I was very lucky for. Most people don't get to choose when they have an awakening unless we talk about it more. And we can all be pointed in the right direction. Like I was with my second, there was resources I could use. You know, there was, there was people talking about what I'd been through people who've been through very similar pain, people who had the same toxic habits and relationships and were sick of living their life a certain way mm-hmm. and wanted answers yeah. as to why am I this way? What have I been ignoring? So thankfully now we don't have to be that way anymore where there isn't people talking about it or we have to go through it alone or we it's some journey that we're, we're going to get lost on. It's not that at all, you know. We, we can all awaken from certain things that aren't good for us. Mm-hmm. And find other people who've done it. Listen to other people who've done it. Start your own journey. Talk to other people about it. And that, yeah, I feel that that's really important to get across in this conversation, you know. Yeah, and trying to find language, anecdotes, whatever it takes to be able to communicate this sense of something that feels quite, and just for the listener, I'm like putting my hand above my head here. It feels like up here. And as you were talking then, I'm going to give you an, an example of what 
awakening can look like in the context of self-harm. But as, as you were talking there, it was like coming down past my eyes, past my throat, and it kind of landed in my belly. And I was like, okay, this yeah. feels more grounded in a reality that other people might understand here. You know, it's, yes. it's settling into a different, um, almost like more conventional uh, consciousness, you know, rather yeah. than something so big and open and like, what, what the fuck is that? I don't know what he's saying. Awakening, awaken yeah. what? You know, what does that mean? Yeah. So again, I guess what it is, like we were saying uh, at the start of the podcast, um, those questions you were asking, you know, um, let, let's say, for example, um, and you know, you said I pretty much had not predicted what they were, but I was saying the same sort of thing. Yeah. I find whichever resources you use, as long as the you know, the source material is good, which we can maybe discuss a little bit as yeah. well. I find most of them are saying the same thing. So it's not like you'll pick up one book and another book's going to have better answers in it for you. A lot of them are just signposts and maybe worded slightly differently, but they all get to the same heart of the matter eventually, if you will. And yeah, so let, let's go for conventional awakening. Let's forget my story completely, right? When I'm talking to clients, because I, I coach a lot of clients on how to meditate <clears throat> all I do is get them to pay attention to how they feel mm -hmm. and then start to eventually they develop where those feelings come from and then they're just creating that awareness of where everything inside them comes from and you start to have realizations big realizations and you start to unfold certain things because you'll see you maybe have thought patterns that make you do certain things mm -hmm. or triggers or attachments all these sort of things that all of us have that we can all unravel and so let's start to ask questions that we haven't asked before we can understand things more and then we understand things more we can maybe wake up to certain facts of life and then we wake up to those facts of life we can do something about them we can honor them we can make them better or we can release them if we need to yeah and on the other side of all of that is a much more peaceful, grounded approach to life and more energy to give to the things that you truly love. Yeah, it rather, rather than that energy that you're using on maintaining these things that are operating subconsciously and causing you a whole load of harm that you've got to recover from and start again and then do it all. Like It's just exhausting. Whereas yeah. if you can find these subconscious patterns that aren't serving you and and well i think understand where they come from is important so you can leave them there if they need to be left there and develop these yeah. new uh conscious patterns that do serve you but you won't get yeah. any of that without first of all opening up about what they are and you know how they're affecting you and and that to me is meditation i mean i i consider you know talking therapy sessions with clients a meditation yeah. we're paying attention to what you do using our relationship absolutely like you say it's meditation you, you can do 20 different things and be meditating can't you like you say but as long as you, your present awareness is fully channeled into whatever that thing is you are pretty much meditating aren't you right for sure like you said yeah, like you said, conversation like this is meditative yeah reading something could be meditative music can be meditative there's yeah there's so many ways but like it's uh you know and another way i like to describe how meditation can really help channel into these things is um i tell people like i describe it like imagine you have this like this room right where you've thrown 
every bit of clutter from your life that you never wanted to deal with mm. you know like every piece of junk we all hoard things don't we we, we mm. we're naturally hoarders ob- with objects so subjectively it's a million times more right yeah so i try and get people to envisage that and just be like imagine you never threw anything away ever right and you just put it all in this room meditation is basically going into that room opening the door and looking at everything mm. you've put in that room and never looked at before and then as you begin to meditate more, you start to be able to see, right? Like you were saying, do I need to keep this thing or can it go away? Mm. And eventually, let's say this room had a thousand things in it that you'd buried, you'd forgot about, they're locked away. Mm. By the end of it all, you may only have a hundred things. Those hundred things are very valuable to them, but also because you've created so much space and got rid of all the junk and clutter, you can now see the beauty and value of them. And when we have a space, there's so much more space, so much more peace, right, around that space, as opposed to being in a cluttered room. Yeah, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, no, it, it definitely does. And, you know, yeah. this this is an exploration of these themes to try and help bring a sense of um, practicality, uh, yeah. accessibility. And so it's, it's really lovely the way that we're able to, you know, keep interjecting with these different representations of what these ideas are. And I just wanted to go back to when I mentioned about self-harm there. Um, For me, I find when a lot of people come to me and they open up about various forms of self-harm, and I'll I'll use the kind of typical version here of cutting, um, that people don't understand why this subconscious pattern keeps happening and they're very... um, Uh, drawn to it in times of stress and you know to speak about that unconscious subconscious harmful pattern to another person is the big scary thing but yeah you know what what happens and and this awakening idea what, what I often will experience with clients is if they can be brave enough to say this isn't working for me I can't help it it's taking control over me it's causing a lot of damage what do I do when they come and ask for that help what I can then do with the experience that I've got and the information is say to that person that is an energy inside of you that you don't know what to do with and you have for some reason at some point imbibed something that indicated to you that you know if you were to get that energy out of you or even just physically needing to get it out of you by by cutting it creates a release for that energy and actually you're kind of doing something that's helpful here because you kept that that metaphorical room that you talked about there it's full and so what you're doing is just kind of opening one of the windows or something and letting some of that stuff fall out yeah yeah but why don't we instead discover what that energy is actually associated with and see if you can do some other things with it you know, maybe even just talking to me now is a way of changing that energy that's rushing around inside of you. Maybe you could go for a run. Maybe you could shake your body. Maybe you could, um, you know, visualize that energy leaving your body. Like there are so many. And what happens is that awakening the person, I can see it's it's literally like they light up and they're like, that's what's happening. 
Yeah, yeah. And for me, that's a very real life scenario of when somebody wake awakens. And don't get me wrong, they may continue in t- times of extreme pressure where they've not got that awareness to be able to know that this energy is just building up and needs a release, a healthier release, if you like. And they'll do it again. But if they start practicing, first of all, noticing when it's coming up and then practicing choosing alternative ways of dealing with it, then in time, it it changes. So I think as well, when people have an awakening, it isn't always necessarily a direct change because, but when the choice is there, there is, yeah, there is that, there is that ability or almost inability to choose the previous thing. But sometimes it takes a while to develop kind of a conscious attachment to the, what the awakening has told you. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's like the, the awakening from the thing is really nothing more than the first realization of the problem isn't it uh-huh. that's but then like you say after that you you it can take a lot of effort to develop the skills in how to stay awakened to that thing mm-hmm. and like you say to develop ways to I, this is again why i go back to meditation because you get to see how much more about how your brain is wired and become the awareness awareness of how it's wired and how it reacts to certain things so yeah Let's say awakening you when I looked in front of that mirror. Yeah. I might have had that aha moment, but I still had to really get to the bottom of why I was doing all those other things and what other way can I do that in a better way. So yeah, it's just it's just the start of hopefully the change, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. usually at the end of a period of sorry usually after an intense period of suffering in one way or the other. And that suffering may continue while you develop more of a connection to what you've become awakened to. However, you almost can't see it like you previously saw it. You know, I always say you can't become unaware of something once it's landed for you. You, you You can turn away from it. But you're yeah, you're choosing to now. It's very different. It's not subconscious anymore. Yeah, I um around that idea of suffering, you know, when I have worked with people who have had your more kind of, I don't know, newsworthy awakening, you know, this kind of grand moment where everything changed and um, where I've seen that with people, it is actually where they've had. And, you know, I would consider what you went through as extreme the first suffering. One was that. Yeah, the first one was, yeah, you know, and it's not that I. I mean, I've had other ones where people have been through, you know, 40, 50 years of all kinds of initial abuse that then created patterns that meant they continued to be abused and life just incredibly shit. And someday just woke up and said, it's different now. That's it, you know, and and it can seem counterintuitive that somebody that's had that much shit happen to them and and therefore and, and continue to hurt themselves would have such a a moment. But I would argue that that's exactly the reason that they have it, because that light finds its way, usually when there's been so much darkness, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's like like you say, the traumatic experience, the more traumatic it is, the more profound the awakening, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in so many ways, yeah, absolutely. And um, that, that's why it can be so perplexing for somebody when, as well, you know, their life has been a certain way for so long. And then, like you said, they just wake up and it's like, 
what the hell has happened here? Mm-hmm. That can be a lot to take in in itself, let alone now feeling like you have to start your life all over again, yeah. which in a lot of ways you have to. Someday. And I also feel as well, we, I personally definitely didn't wake up to everything all at the same time. It happened in stages. And I'm grateful that it did because I wouldn't have had the mental capacity to manage waking up to everything at the same time because it can be so intense. Yeah. It can be so painful. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I, I think part of our brain's coping mechanism with awakening is for it to happen in stages. Yeah. 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 It always knows what it's doing. Yeah, absolutely. Our, our yeah. system is continually trying to help us find what we need. That's why we have pain, right? To tell us what we need to yes. avoid. <laughs> exactly. And this is a thing as well as, and again, it's it maybe an overused term, but pain is if you can embrace pain it's such a gift isn't it like when we and again I don't say this lightly I really don't because it took me a very long time to learn but when we awaken from certain things and we see the pain we've caused ourselves but then (coughs) we see the reward we've got from changing how we react to that pain we end up not welcoming pain but in future always getting something from it as opposed to being a victim from it yes yeah, it's uh, it's quite a fascinating thing, huh? Like the, the whole awakening thing. So yeah, it's, um, and I feel that the most important thing about awakening is we, we can all access it to levels, but it's the more we awaken, it's basically what it is, is being more in touch with our reality, our choices, the things we can and can't control, love, and just, yeah, all, all of that. Yeah. Just be, being fully accountable and aware. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's hard. And that's why it's rewarding. You know, I yeah. I, I, I just like with the pain. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And a lot of the time in when I'm teaching yoga or when I'm talking to clients in in talking therapy, you know, I will often and I've got to be very careful because I do. I've talked to my supervisor about this, that because I've got this kind of level of experience with how I view pain suffering difficulties and I realize that if you can take hold of them and stop avoiding and start looking at them how beneficial that is I've got to be very aware that I don't become um on on a level dismissive of somebody's struggle with their struggle you know and and that's a huge point well made there because I you know I found myself today same with a client who was trying to do a handstand she was like I just I'm not strong enough on my my upper body and I said and that's great news because now you can work on that and you know they're like fuck off you know it's like you're gonna have such an amazing journey in in building that strength and you're gonna see gradually you get steadier and more comfortable and you'll get this magic moment where you're gonna realize this let me hold the faith for you that it's going to be worth putting in that physical work to 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 do that you know and when people say I'm just too frightened I can't do it it's like that's great news because now we know what's stopping you you know let's work on that it's not a mystery anymore it's your fear it's your physical strength it's your proprioception it's your whatever you know yeah like you say you, you made a really good point there like when we're talking about this um sometimes in my posts in the past like uh, after my third awakening just for a little while um it was if you are not careful like the 
what's a good way to say this? The accountability never stops and the responsibility of what we awaken to never ends. Yeah. It's almost like the more you awaken, the more responsibility you have because you've learned a better way for so many things, right? Mm -hmm. And within that, yeah, we, there's a very fine line. Um, it, you can almost, because you lose so many triggers and you pretty much can get to a place where you're truly at peace and pain isn't really a thing anymore. You know, I don't mean you don't feel physical pain, but yeah. Yeah. there's no emotional trauma being carried forward with you anymore. So you're just in this place of peace and power and it can be very, very easy to project that onto other people. And when they are not in that place, yes, yeah, we have to be very, very careful in our approach. It's like the, the more we awaken, the less we are carrying, the less triggers we have, but the more understanding and the more we need to remember what it was like, the further we get away from where we were before we awakened mm -hmm. of what it's like to still be there, how to approach those people, how to still be empathetic and get on that level which i know you definitely do but just speaking generally yeah when you awaken don't forget that you were once where other people who aren't awakened may still be that i feel that's really important yeah because it's so easy to for a gap to be created there because there's so many spiritual teachers um you know or people who are dismissive now of like what what they were classes like trivial subjective mm. matter like mm. why are you suffering that i don't suffer that and they almost feel they're above and beyond it when it gets to a certain point yeah and, th and it's really not hierarchical because to be honest there are many times in the day that i would happily go back to blissful unawareness because yeah, like I don't I don't want to have to question everything all the time and I don't want to have to pay attention and calm myself down. Why can't I just go and get pissed and think that life is great? You know, like I want that it, sometimes because I'm lazy. With, <laughs> but, but, but here's, here's the thing. I, I think that's okay to do. Like last Saturday, you took time off because you needed it. There's nothing wrong with that. But, but in the same air, the more you awaken, you open yourself up to these levels of responsibility that, are really hard to explain until you get there but they're totally worth it right yeah like because you're always having to hold yourself accountable we need to keep that with people who are we're encouraging onto that journey as well yeah definitely and actually honoring where they're at you know because yeah. we don't know yeah. better than them what is right for them so there yeah. are many instances where i will say to somebody look it you can choose whatever you need to choose here. If this doesn't serve where you're at in your life right now and you are consciously aware of the choices that you're making, then you make yeah. them. And, you know, so uh, very much in trauma work, you know, if I was like, if you were to have all of your three awakenings at once, it would have pushed you over the edge and maybe killed you. Yeah. You know, so, right? And, so, oh, yeah. wow. you know, I'll say to a client, are we, we going to go there with that today? Do you have the physical capacity for your body to be overwhelmed to this level in what we're about to which cupboard we're about to open which cupboard that you've hoarded stuff into you know have we got the energy to unpack that today or not and I will trust their sense that as long as I'm asking you can do whatever you like but we just need to do the asking that's all yes that's true I guess I guess all you can do is like in a nutshell like we're talking about awakening because we want to encourage, to encourage other people to do the same, right? And I feel it's going to be taken, there's always going to be people who misunderstand it, you know, it's going to make people get their guard up, it's going to sound patronizing to some people. All I think 
for me personally, I can do is lead by example. The right people, it'll be there for them at the right time. It's not going to be for everybody. I know I'm going to trigger some people, but yeah, all you can do is eventually you create that feedback loop with certain people, don't you? Like I'm sure in your line of work, you build up that trust and then you become, because you've developed these skills, very, very good at reading people and being able to connect with them. And then when you can connect with them, you can help them awaken. But you're basically sparking something that's already in them, right? Mm -hmm. You just have those like, using the term loosely again, those kid gloves that knows how to handle and nurture that person into a safe place so they can then do what we've done with certain things, right? Yeah, and it, it's yeah. it's ongoing. You know, I, I am making conscious choices myself day in, day out about actually is yeah. that you know is that okay for me to do today well no it isn't and like like last week when I decided not to do the podcast you know there were pros and cons to all of it and in the end you know I was I suppose what I became awakened to in terms of boundaries and looking after myself is that if I do too much, then that will end up causing me suffering that I'm very familiar with. And so I can't do it anymore. Now, I'm not making a pain free choice here. The awakened choice yeah. is that I deal with the difficulty that people think I'm being lazy, that I'm not committed to this podcast. I've got every negative yeah. thing that anybody else could ever think about me going on in my mind when I make that decision. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't be asked, you know, whatever 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 so that I'm dealing with all of that and I'm saying well I'm glad that that's there because I don't need to subconsciously respond to that and physically exhaust myself present something that's not worthwhile of my amazing energy and, and the energy of those who are listening to me and so it's not a pain-free choice it's a choice that is more in line with what let's ask the questions with who I am what do I want what is my purpose and what am I grateful for right yeah and, and yeah, and the fact that you can uh, flourish with that accountability and responsibility, like I say, you, that, that hasn't came easily, but you've developed those things as a skill, right? Where you're in a place where, yes, you can question everything and whichever choice you decide, you've weighed it up evenly and you are prepared for whatever the outcome might be because you know that your choices have led towards that, right? Yeah. And, I, and it's like being prepared for the outcome in the things that I have chosen to do. And whatever the outcome sometimes may be, may not be ideal, but like you say, you're empowering yourself to be aware and to choose, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's really interesting because I've got quite, a, I know I mentioned there about the awakening stuff landing in my body and, and describe yes. that kind of movement down. You know, one of the things that I feel is really helpful for me in understanding what's going on is the felt sense of it so I noticed that I was triggered by part of our conversation earlier and I felt this yeah. kind of uprising this time from my belly up into my yeah. heart which is when we put this out there people aren't going to understand they're going to judge us negatively for being some kind yeah. of spiritual gurus thinking we know everything yeah, about yeah. the world and you know, because I'm judging that in myself and I know what that judgment feels like in my body and, and where the thoughts yeah. come in. And, you know, we can only put that out there. We can only put this out there and who is ready to receive yeah. whatever we're, we're helping them realize about themselves. And those that don't want to, that's fine too. I just want them to ask themselves questions about why they're having that response. That's all. Absolutely. And off the back of that as well, whenever I'm sharing things like we are doing now, we just want people to do what we are doing 
with their lives because we know how much better it made ours, right? Yeah. That's all we are trying to do here is. And what I say to people as well is um, whenever I talk about anything, question all of it. You are welcome to mm -hmm. question everything. So while you're there questioning everything I'm saying, even question why it makes you feel uncomfortable. Question I don't feel we can question enough. I don't mean obviously obsess over getting one particular answer, but yeah, question everything. Yeah. And it does it why we do can create a, ahead, can sorry. create a bit of a head spin. And you know, and that yeah. uh, there's a quote from Buddhism, you know, chaos should be regarded as extremely good news. And yeah, you know, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I love that. And yes, it can feel overwhelming and quite a lot and that's okay so go there and then come back come back to what yeah. feels comfortable for you and do that you know and this is why again meditation is so good at developing those skills because lots of things we've buried will come up to the surface with meditation right and you know when you get a sensation from the gut or from the temple <clears throat> going up or down whichever way it whichever way it develops inside you you know whichever way it expresses itself like you say, you just become so much more finely attuned to where they come from and just being that present awareness like you did then. You wanted it, you felt it, and it was okay, right? Like you, And the more you practice doing that, the less fear you have around those uncomfortable feelings because you realize it's just a feeling. Yeah, and it's got something. And it's okay to feel. Yeah, well, you're, you're not choosing, yeah. so you <laughs> you, can, you yeah. can shut off from it and it will grow, or you can let it flow through you and see what it's got to tell yeah. you and... Exactly. You know, know that you're worthy with or without it and with or without action according to it but you could have something more meaningful if you pay attention to yourself yeah. all of the the different parts of yourself and I think within our being yes question everything pay attention yeah if we just keep repeating those two things I'd say that will lead to whatever we like to call it awakening understanding more about ourselves that's all we need to do isn't it yeah. just just pay attention to how we feel and how we think and it that's, that's it and it doesn't have to be i think just as we start to draw to a close i'm um, kind of tying in these themes a little bit and we, we yes. talked about making it practical accessible and and giving real examples you know people will say to me well how do I meditate then and you know certainly for me some of the the practical ways in which I invite people to try is just do one minute a day I, yes. ideally in the morning just so that you've got it out of the way in terms of uh that stuff that might ask for your attention all day you kind of grab yeah. it by the horns early on and let it flow through you and then it you know you get a bit more space for the rest of the day but it is and practicing the noticing what's coming up and yeah. not shoving it down kind of clearing out process you know yeah and yeah absolutely it's and i think as well doing it at the start of the day you'll see much more like you'll see in quicker succession how much benefit it has because you'll get to apply that minute of meditation to your daily chores and tasks mm -hmm. and you'll get to a certain point you'll be like like you said you just have these little revelations of like oh i've never noticed that before yeah and that delves in and that just grows and grows and gets deeper and deeper doesn't it yeah. so yeah and that you don't have to be hyper aware all day long. Sometimes no. we're actually, you know, we have this whole system that can can just act like a bit of a machine sometimes because we do have to get certain things done. And yeah, yeah. it can be too much to pay attention all day, you know? 
it's it's fine yeah. to to just have the intention and commitment to practicing that awareness and make it make it really manageable become a person who meditates by doing one minute per day you know yeah. then extend it's it just build, and let it grow just just build the habit right yeah. I, I when you started learning yoga I bet you didn't um, hold yourself to the same standard that you do now, right? When you first began. Oh, I'm fat. I'm, I'm, I'm so much easier on myself. <laughs> there you go. There you go. No, there you go. So yeah. it, it's funny how it works, isn't it? Like at the start, we have all these expectations and pressures, yeah. but I bet then though, you had to do a lot less to gain, right? Because you, you, you learned so quickly in the beginning of something, right? But like you say, it's, yeah, I feel if I was, teaching somebody any skill in the gym or let's say you're training somebody for a marathon i'm not going to send that person out on a 15 mile run on their first day no let's let's get let's find you some running shoes first uh-huh. let's yes you know yeah. let's make you comfortable and ready for this and let's let's start doing it in small amounts and build up like you say a minute a day and then when a minute a day just becomes second nature do two minutes a day mm-hmm. Yeah. And even before because, all of that, asking why you're doing it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And think when you've done that over time, because I personally feel meditation is a life skill. Yeah. And if this, and I say this to people with training and nutrition and everything, right? Everything in your life, every habit, you've spent a lifetime learning. So when it comes to a new skill that you've chosen, that you're consciously choosing, why doesn't that deserve the same amount of patience? Of you know, I, I, it really does. Like, and if I'm going to, I guarantee most people plan to live. Obviously, you'd really hope so anyway. That's, um, so build that thing over time, you know. Be patient with yourself. You've probably got lots and lots of years to work on this. Yeah. And it's not something I would want you to ever stop doing. I don't want you to stop exercising. I don't want you to stop eating well when you can. I wouldn't want you to stop meditating. But it's not going to be perfect overnight. It'll get better and better the more you do it. And just be patient with yourself. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, increasingly you will find that you have these, you know, little eureka moments, aha moments, mini awakenings, bigger awakenings that shape your yeah, whole yeah. life. But it's all about tuning into what's actually going on for you and, and learning, yeah. you know, how you work with that or don't. And, you know, I think a really fulfilling way to expand that practice is involving others. So, you know, for you, you did a lot of this work on your own through necessity and suffering. You found some truths that worked better for you. And now you're talking about that with the world and there's a fulfillment in that. But I I also want to say to people, you know, my journey towards being more aware of myself and and you know my meditation started off with my own therapy and and talking therapy and actually you can come at it from the other angle you know that paying attention to yourself in the presence of another person so being open and talking about things that you might not necessarily feel comfortable doing on your own give that a try with other people you know choose carefully obviously yeah um Absolutely, yeah. But like, like you say, and as well, one thing um, just off the back of that, after my third awakening, I, well, during my third awakening, I actually found someone who does similar work to yourself. He's, uh, we had these amazing synchronicities um, on how we met, but anyway, he's a psychologist from the US. And I actually got in touch with him 
um, he's been open about awakening spiritual side of things for a long time. I'd done my, and I don't say this as a gloat whatsoever, um, me getting therapy with him wasn't to help me get in touch with my trauma or heal emotionally because I was, I'm grateful I'd been able to do that already. Mine was to help me make sense and reintegrate after incredible awakenings, you know, after life had changed so much. So again, there's, there's that aspect of it too. There's what comes after when your new life begins. And that was what really, really helped me. It was at maybe a different stage, but it still had the same sort of impact. It really helped because yeah, the third awakening. Um, yeah, he just helped me stay on the right track if you will yeah and yeah yeah and i think that's a really important part that you don't have to be in deep struggle to benefit from the support of another person through talking about what's going on you know again I, I have a lot of people come to me when they're like I've just got this thing that I can't figure out on my own and it's like well yeah. let's you know let's meditate on it together through this paying attention to what's going on and you yeah, know yeah. that's I think that's the real benefit of that connection that actually you can use others to help you find perspectives that work for you better that's the beauty of this talking to each other you don't have to Absolutely. do it all on your own you don't have to be the the um the the modern uh inaccurate version of the alpha male at the yeah, top of there's the no ideal we're own. trying to reach here. No, I, no. It, that's, that's exactly what this does is it's like losing the ideals moving away from the ideals like residing in imperfection and being okay with that right it's like losing the ideals and all of those unnecessary standards we try and hold ourselves to it's like learning that we don't have to be that way anymore and funnily enough as well we hope we're, it's easier to hold yourself to a higher standard when you lose all of the unrealistic expectations and pressures on yourself isn't it because yeah, they're, they're uh, your standards and so they're much more easily yeah um yeah it's much more easily you are more easily able to remain aligned to them because they're yours yeah. <laughs> they're, they're yeah. not somebody else's and you know what i think maybe if you were a game four next time we could discuss yeah so for the when i got in touch with richard his name is um he helped me uh deal with the more profound aspects of awakening that completely rocked my world and you know i completely lost the identification with sense of self and all these kind of things and really helping me like i said stay just, yeah, um, to be able to make sense of all of what happened that was so profoundly unexplainable to me. Yeah, yeah, let's, it was, let's do that. And it really, really helped. It really helped because, like I say, um, it, that was just, uh, yeah, but that's a story for another day. Yeah, but that'd be really cool. Yeah, and, I, you know, I think as, as we draw to a close here, what we've done is began to introduce through telling our stories as individuals as as, yeah. as coach as counselor why some of these themes are really important in life and and again putting a bit, a bit of meat around the bones trying our best to make it accessible yeah. and practical for people to dip into in their own way and you know, perhaps uh, uh, at the next time that we talk, we can really delve deeper into what that can turn into in time. And yeah, and absolutely. Yeah, I think not to take away anything from how special and enlightening and 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 and, and you know so so wonderful that all of this is but demystify it at the same time because it's possible yeah, yeah. for everybody to have their version of what they. Yeah, they, they imagine that they want for themselves. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, like I said, the key take home points here is we're, we're not talking about something that um, we've achieved that we don't expect other people to be able to. We're talking about everyday things that is accessible to every person. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I know before when we came on the call and you said about the sunset, we weren't just talking yeah. about the weather. I know that when you were talking to me there, that you get something deeply meaningful out of each yeah. sunset. And that's there every day. Okay, they're not glorious, yeah. but the sun goes down every day. And life can be blissful and amazing through very, you know, uh, frequently occurring perhaps what you would consider to be the mundanities of life when you actually start to see things differently from this place yeah. of um, uh, awareness like presence shall we say yeah. like a presence a presence like has like that present flowing awareness that never ends right yeah. like you say you can pretty much take that it's like this deep appreciation that never really leaves you right yeah and feeling of sense of like this strength and peace that everything's okay. And then, because like you say, you've, you're no longer distracted by things that don't often deserve your attention. Those things that were once maybe quite beautiful, you see them in complete awe and all of their beauty completely unfiltered. Right. And that's an amazing part of awakening too, is you just, see the simplistic beauty of life and how incredible it is and then you don't have to waste your time with all of these unachievable things that mean fuck all anyway when you get there you know absolutely and there's an interesting thing as well uh like i know we could talk for days and days and days so i will keep this bit short but like you you will you will lose so much when you awaken but you only lose things that don't serve a purpose. You get to keep all of the good stuff. You just get rid of things that, yeah, like you say, the bullshit. Yeah, and those that end up having all of what we are um, sold to us that will make us happy, they don't appreciate it anyway, you know? (laughs) So, But the thing is as well, but when before we we awaken to it, we don't even know that we don't appreciate it, do we? Yeah, that's right, yeah. It's such a it's such a dream state in so many ways. It's 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 incredible. Yeah, life's a peculiar thing. Oh, it certainly is. It certainly is. And I'm I'm I've really enjoyed our dipping our toes into some of these themes yes. today. And I'll be very yeah. interested to hear what the listeners have got to say about me also about yeah. what we've yeah. uh, what, what we've looked into and explored. And I would say, listener. Why don't you send Johnny and I, we, I'll publish both of that. Well, my, my details are already on the pod anyway, but I'll publish links to Johnny and send us the thing that you least want to say to us. The thing that you think will be the most offensive um, to yeah. us, send it over. Yeah. And when we next meet, we'll pick through some of these things and see if we yeah, can, yeah. you know, hit us where it hurts. And, uh, and let, that's what we're what all about, isn't it? Like we are, we are welcoming that vulnerability to like to not be not be shy of any criticism or anything it's like we're completely open to the reality and whatever person's perspective on us is right absolutely and i'm not saying it won't hurt i'm not saying it won't feel very uncomfortable you know even asking for it does but there's kind of an excitement in that too you know yeah, let's go for it. Let's go for it. Why not? Because again, then we're just going, we're only going to encourage people to do more of what we're speaking of, right? Yeah. So it'll be yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I feel very uplifted and I have loved being, always a pleasure. being in your company today and, and, and looking into this stuff. And uh, yeah, let's chat after this and um, we'll get around Definitely. to organized after a few weeks. Um, 
definitely thank you for having me much appreciated oh, my pleasure listen you enjoy the rest of your weekend johnny and uh, you as well and thank you for listening everybody yes i'll hopefully see you soon take care. cheers johnny thank you no worries bye-bye well that was a bit different wasn't it interesting our third man on the podcast well I was going to say, well, other than Amram, of course, he is a man, but maybe came on in a slightly different way. Um, Yeah, I'm still not really sure how I'm feeling about it because I'm having all of this judgment that Johnny and I are going to come across as some know-it-alls. Like, it's really, I I feel it quite a lot. And I probably... um, being oversensitive, oversensitive, uh, more aware than perhaps is needed about the fact that, you know, he and I have been through a process or some processes and are able to articulate them and that's why we're helping others. But there's just something minimising in me that says, like, who the fuck do you think you are? And I don't think that about Johnny, actually. Um... I'm just way too concerned about how I come across. Oh, God. What a fucking nightmare I can be to myself. Anyway, I'm sitting with that. And I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna put it out anyway. I'm going to send it over to Johnny now to have a listen to and get his feedback. And then it'll be published on Wednesday. It's now Monday night. Uh, as I said at the beginning, I'm also um, preparing myself to to talk to you about some parts of my life that I'd probably rather not share. But I'm hoping that I get the same benefits that the other guests on the podcast have had who have come and done the same. As I have said, you know, I really do try to practice what I don't think I necessarily preach, but what I do talk about as being potentially beneficial and worthwhile for other people and so I'm in it with you I, I really am and so I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to you about these things and I I'm gonna I'm gonna share everything because the few things that don't really feel comfortable at all especially given my responsibility towards others and not being in a good place myself but I think there's something really interesting to share about how we can be what we need to be for other people despite being in a despite maybe because of being in a place of deep struggle ourselves that's the bit that I'm most worried about but anyway I realize that I am probably sounding highly self-indulgent here with all of my uh, musings over being scared about sharing stuff with you so I'm gonna shut the fuck up and uh, and close for now so listen thank you so much for um, for listening today and uh, as always get strong I'm practicing that right now and be open open to everything that can come from within you and around you always be kind be kind to yourself and be kind to myself be kind to everybody else and find that gratitude because in the gratitude it's virtually impossible to see the negative can't kind of focus on both things at once so yeah get strong stay open kind and grateful can you hear this noise it's alfie the cat what are you doing he's picking at all of these um, 
notes and this mess on the desk, which I definitely wouldn't want you to see. <laughs> Leave it, Alfie. Okay, this ends. Get strong, stay open, kind and grateful. Love to you all, and I will see you soon. Bye. Bye-bye.